Hi, uh, hello, this is the 25th demonstration of the system. It's absolutely uh, glorious outside. And so I'm a bit grumpy that I've got to go for my weekly shop quite soon. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe for fun, uh, because we temporarily, unfortunately, have a car, I might go to the uh, tremendous Sainsbury's at the O2 Centre on Finchley Road. It's, uh, it's only five extra minutes. I'm really bringing you inside letting you see how the magic happens here. Now, but you know, it's five extra minutes, and uh, I think I'll feel, if I go there, nostalgic for the 15 years that that was my supermarket when I lived in Kilburn. I am capable of feeling nostalgic about almost anything. Do I feel nostalgic about today's story? Of course I do. I feel nostalgic about old pairs of pants, uh, you know, the ones that I've had for a particularly long time. I've got a load of pants from Next that my mum bought me. I never particularly liked the aesthetics of them, but they're very comfortable. And I refuse to believe I have had them less than 15 years. And I've worn them, you know, every week. They're my most worn pants and they're, you know, they're still going strong. Anyway, today's story comes from November 2011. It's sort of autumn at last. And in three days' time, it'll probably be winter, uh, which is a vexed issue in parts of Kilburn, by which I mean in the flat of Igor Alexandreev, who, whose uh, girlfriend, Chloe, has just moved in. And there are some things you don't fully realise. I mean, you might guess them, but you don't fully realise until you move in with someone. Well, it turns out that Igor is Russian and Chloe is Australian, and it doesn't turn out that they just are those things. But Igor is Russian and Chloe is Australian. And it turns out that they are fundamentally temperature incompatible. Chloe grew up in Melbourne, where things get pretty chilly, but no one's got central heating. Igor, on the other hand, grew up in Siberia in luxury. And so he's used to sitting in a T-shirt watching snow through the triple glazing. Chloe likes to joke that Igor is basically a lizard. Well... This was Igor's flat, and he wanted Chloe to feel welcome. No, actually, that's the wrong word. Guests are welcome. Chloe's not a guest. That's the point. She's not there on sufferance. She is a full co-inhabitant. It's probably the most romantic way to put that, no? Uh, he decided, with respect to temperature, that they were going to do it Chloe's way. And as a result, every night... She flings open the window and lies half out of a featherweight duvet while Igor huddles miserably under two duvets and a blanket, wondering how he will ever get the circulation back into his poor freezing nose, which, for practical reasons, has to protrude into the icy air. And this has been in a warm October. What the coming months hold, he could barely conceive. He was losing sleep thinking about this, and Igor has never had trouble sleeping. He sleeps perfectly, albeit at peculiar times, ever since he realised that he has a 28-hour biorhythm, which is something that Chloe's had to get used to. You know, the fact that Igor, in his own words, uh, slips into and out from other person day face. So Igor was very worried about the implications of this situation. But then... By an accidental miracle, he solved the problem using a non-existent gecko. October the 30th was their second anniversary, and as a joke, Igor decided to buy Chloe a lizard. Yeah. 
Everyone knows first anniversary paper, second anniversary reptile. Ha ha ha. There's a joke, there's a shop on the Kilburn High Road called Jumanji Pets. Uh, for real. And a student of Igor's works there a couple of afternoons a week. And so that naturally was where Igor went. This student is a guy called Adnan. He's an incredibly nice guy and a very decent physicist. And he is uh, going out with Megan, the daughter of a Hampstead real estate agent called Tony Makalitz. Call me Mako, a.k.a. the Mako Shark. He is a legendary fear figure. Even Foxtons are scared of this guy. And uh, example, actually, in 1983, David Mamet decided he wanted a pied-à-terre in London. Mako sold him a horrible, low-ceilinged, windowless studio for a million pounds because it would be the perfect bolt hole and who stays home in London. The next month, depressed as you would be in this rotten flat and astonished at how brilliantly Mako had sold it, Mamet had an idea, and in three caffeine-fueled and cathartic sessions, he wrote the first draft of Glengarry Glen Ross. Then he sold the flat through Mako, obviously, for £1.2 million to Alan Bennett, who was seduced by the idea that Mamet had used it to write a play in three days, but then Bennett stayed there two nights and it drove him nuts, which gave him the idea which ultimately became the madness of George III. That's Mako. Well... He doesn't like that his little princess, Megan is 5 feet 11 inches tall and weighs 16 stone, is going out with some shopkeeper. So Mako came to Jumanji to see what's what. Jumanji's fine. It's a shop. But there was Adnan, sitting nervously, and Mako said, My girl needs someone with ambition. Adnan said, Yes, sir. Mako wasn't convinced by this. He looked around the shop and noticed in the corner a scruffy cage with a small animal in it that looked like an electrocuted rat. He asked what it was doing there. Adnan said it was an African dwarf hedgehog. It had been there for years and they'd never been able to sell it. It was by now sort of a mascot. Rubbish, said Mako, at which point Igor walked into Jumanji Pets. I want a lizard, Igor said. No, you don't, said Mako. You want a dwarf hedgehog? Look at him. He's African. We just got in 20 this morning and he's the last one left. What are they like? said Igor. They're brilliant, said Maker. They are the perfect animal. They don't need food and they're incredibly affectionate. And he's toilet trained. Uses a toilet better than what you do. But, but how does he? This is your chance, mate. We won't get our hands on another one of these for 30 years, if ever. Because of the civil war in Rwanda. Thy Nigerians won't let more out of the country. 100 quid and you keep the cage. Igor doesn't really know how it happened, but he bought the hedgehog. He got home and he looked up dwarf hedgehogs online. As it happens, they are quite a lot of hassle. In the wild, they travel several miles every day and so you need to let them out of their cages. They also love to climb, but their eyesight is bad and they can never get back down. Also, they are nocturnal and they require a temperature of above 23 degrees at all times. As a result, and after a DIY session during which Igor and Chloe got quite hysterical, their flat now contains a hedgehog room, which is, of course, really Igor's bedroom. And that is where Igor goes to snuggle up and sleep and where Spiky David, which is what they call the hedgehog, scuffles around all night and poos in his hair.
that Spiky David is not the original Hedgehog. He's actually Spiky David 2. Spiky David 1 was seven years old when Igor bought him and Chloe found him dead the morning after they built the Hedgehog room. Quietly, the next day, Chloe visited Jumanji and bought a replacement for 15 quid from a new scruffy cage in the same corner. And even that is not the whole story. Spiky David 1 was never for sale. He was Adnan's pet, and Adnan loved that dwarf hedgehog. But when Mako started trying to sell him, Adnan realised two things. First, this man, for all his reputation, was just a guy who'd never been to university outside the M25 or south of the river, who was frightened of losing his little girl and who needed to put down a marker. And second, that you might use the word love to describe your feelings for a hedgehog, but it's really not the same word as you're using to describe your girlfriend. And if it is, you should probably change your girlfriend. Or or you have a bloody amazing hedgehog. Maybe I've just been unlucky with my hedgehogs. Anyway, if selling his pet was the sacrifice Adnan needed to make to make Mako comfortable, it was worthwhile. Uh, He felt rather adult, in fact. A compromise, really, is what being a grown-up is. No. Anyway, such as it is, that is the news from Kilburn. How much of that was based on truth? No one knows. Uh, But dwarf hedgehogs are funny. I mean, when I say no one knows, absolutely no one knows. Uh, This is a very long time ago. And I, as we've discussed before, recall nothing of the methods of construction for these stories. For our musical treat today, which is an absolute treat, we have two songs from Hall of Mirrors in a new recording uh, from Harry Sever, also featuring uh, Claire Auger, who was the Mighty Finn's original Donald Frary. The orchestration in the first of these songs, the second one is an answer to it, the orchestration in the first of these songs may sound a bit weird, as if it doesn't quite fit the 1919 feel of that show, but uh, but Harry orchestrated it this way for a particular reason, and we hope we will be able to tell you what that reason is later this year. That's just for the highly musically literate people out there who will be noticing the instrumentation choices instrument choices, whichever one of those you prefer, and uh, raising an eyebrow. I mean, are there people out there like that? Yes, there are. In Cassandra, John Maynard Keynes is telling his idealistic young colleague, Donald Frary, to get out of uh, politics and stop trying to influence people while he can, because no one listens to you, however right you are. And uh, not my plan is Donald's reply. Cassandra saw the future, what a curse! But though she saw the future, what was worse, so oh, so much worse, was nobody believed her, however hard she tried. No, nobody believed her, they all believed she lied. I've tried to tell you, Donald, keep your principles and do not get involved. 
course that's always been my plan So listen to me now and just stay out of things And then you'll be absolved of blame Preserve your name It's not too late to listen, can't you see? Too late for them, perhaps, but not too late for you or me. Let them have their treaty, or they'll all reap what they sow. Let's let them have their treaty, turn around and go. Yeah.
I dearly love those songs. Right, uh, those tomatoes aren't going to buy themselves, however much the lockdown is causing nature to burgeon in surprising ways. Uh, be well, good, and good to each other. Tall tales out.